Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. Today on the podcast, I've got my pastoral assistant, Kevin Noor. Hey, guys. And our deacon of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate. How's it going? And today we want to talk about the concept of worldview. Now, just by way of introduction, worldview, maybe we've heard that term. Uh, it's pretty common to say, uh, you know, to talk worldview kind of language. Um, I was reading a theologian this week, Herman Bavink, and Dutch theologian, older, he's dead. <laughs> and uh, he talked about worldview, his, his term he liked to use was world and life view. Mm-hmm. World and life view. So basically the idea is your worldview is your, your, your um, idea, presupposition, your understanding of the world and understanding of your person, your personhood. So it's your way of seeing and interpreting the outside world and your inside world, mm-hmm. right? Um, think of your worldview. Some, some have used this analogy. Your worldview is like a pair of glasses that you're wearing. You see everything through it. So if you have pink sunglasses on, it's going to tint the way that you interpret and see the world, mm-hmm. right? Right. Think of that as there's a lot of, so, so there's a lot of different worldviews. There's secular worldviews, there's theistic worldviews, there's Marxist worldviews, there's all kinds of different worldviews. Think of that as those, you know, pink sunglasses. But if you have a Christian worldview, think of that as blue sunglasses or whatever. I'm just throwing some colors out there. So your worldview affects how you interpret what you see on the news, mm-hmm. how you interpret the events of your life. Um, your worldview determines how you see the world and understand the world and how you see yourself and understand yourself including all of the myriad, all of different circumstances that could come at you from within and could come at you from, from without, right? So we have a worldview of people with a lot of feelings, right? They're, they're looking at things and, they're, and it's how they feel. They were treated or feeling how they see certain situations throughout the world, right? Okay, so yes, you, just, you brought up a good point. We'll get into that even more later. Your worldview isn't just ideas. It's not just concepts. It also includes your feelings or your gut or your assumptions. The, the, the philosophical world word we like to use is your presuppositions. Mm-hmm. The things that you might not even be aware of, but you believe them and you hold them to be true, they shape your worldview and you might not even know it. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Now, why is this important? This is important because there are many different worldviews out there and some worldviews are Christian and they lead to the the good life and human flourishing and knowing God. And every other worldview will lead you away from human flourishing and away from God. They'll promise great things, but they'll lead you towards destruction. And a Christian worldview is very rare. In our society today, very rare. Even within the church, many church people don't have a Christian worldview. So there's a, a famous there's a test out right now. It's called the Pierce test, 
and they've given over 100,000 of these tests, and I'm going to take it myself, and I'm going to encourage all my staff to take it. It's a worldview test. And basically, if you, if you get like 0 to 40, it's like a, um, like if you score 0 to 40, you have a, um, uh, a Marxist socialist worldview. If you go from 40 to like 60, you have more of like a secular humanist understanding of the world. If it's 60 to 80, you're like, have like a moderate Christian understanding of the world. And then if it's 80 and above, you have a biblical, uh, a biblical worldview. That's what they're, they call a biblical worldview. And they have, they have like kids tests. They have teenagers tests. They have college age tests. They have adult tests. They have teachers and scholars versions of this thing. And what they say is by and large, most Christian kids and most average Christian people in churches, when they take this test, they're between 40 and 60. Like they're, they are either down there or I mean zero, they're between zero and 60. They're either in the socialist worldview or in the, uh, the secular humanist worldview hmm. that they might go to church and they might've trusted in Jesus, but they actually don't have a fully encompassing Christian worldview, how the Bible and scripture relates to all the issues of life. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. So that's, that's why it's important. We want, um, we don't want to raise, we don't want to just raise kids who accept Jesus in their heart. We want kids to have a biblical worldview. Yeah. Jesus didn't say, just go make disciples of all nations. He said, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants us to have a biblical worldview. So, um, so that's why it's important at Sacred City. This is what we want to do. We want to take every thought captive. We want all of Christ for all of life, mm-hmm. right? We want um, all of scripture for all of life. And so we want to help our people develop Christian worldviews. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons uh, we're, we're doing this podcast. So let's get into some of the details of this. What is, uh, so they've got a couple definitions mm-hmm. of worldview. Let's read those. Um, let's read Sire's, uh, Sire's definition first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, do you have... Uh, James Sire's definition, that refined definition of a, of a worldview? I got it. It's a worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions assumptions about what may be true, partially true, or entirely false, which we hold consciously or subconsciously, consistently or inconsistently, about the basic constitution of reality. Construction. Construction, I'm sorry. Of reality, and that provides the foundation on which we live and move and have our being. Okay, that's a long definition. But I want you to hear this. He says, a worldview is a commitment a fundamental orientation of the heart. That means your heart is pointed in a certain direction. So when you receive stimulus, when you receive information that comes in or experience, your heart is already pointed in a certain direction for you to make sense mm-hmm. of those that stimulus or of that, yeah. um, that, that input that you receive. Now listen, a worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart. And again, we see this as internal right? Mm -hmm. Of the heart, not just of the head. 
that can be expressed as a story. Okay, so we're going to get into some components of a worldview. Here we hear expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions. Now, what is a presupposition? A presupposition is an assumption which may be true, it may not be true. And you might hold, so it can be partially true or it can be entirely false, but you hold it. Uh, that, and it can be conscious or it can be subconscious. So we might not even be aware of it, yeah. right? Consistently or inconsistently. Mm-hmm. Now, we hold these assumptions and these presuppositions in a lot of different areas of life and we might not be aware of it and it's actually affecting our mm-hmm. worldview. And these are presuppositions about the basic construction of reality. So think about the big questions. Why are we here? What is the world like? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with the world? What does justice look like? What is true? What is truth? Uh, when I said what is wrong with the world, what's going to fix the world? Mm. Where are we going? What happens to us when we die? Okay. What's the meaning of life? All of these things. And it provides, here it is, so a worldview, provides the foundation on which we live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're always operating out of our worldview, mm-hmm. okay? Now, we might be, we might say like, let's just say, hey, I have a Christian worldview, right? I might not 100% operate out of the Christian worldview. I might be very inconsistent with that, right? But my Christian worldview understands why, because I'm a, I'm a sinner, right? So uh, that's a kind of a, a longer definition. Let's do a little a shorter, more working mm-hmm. uh, definition from, uh, from, what's this book here? I'm reading this book right now and you've got it in your lap. It's Living at the Crossroads. It's by uh, scholars Michael Goheem and Craig Bartholomew. They've written a phenomenal prequel to this called The Drama of Scripture that's all about the story that's in the Bible, the story of Scripture. And now this is kind of like the follow-up, how that story is meant to shape worldview. And I'm finding this book just I'm just really, really enjoying this book, Living at the Crossroads. So they've got a shorter, uh, more workable definition of worldview. Can you read that for us, Gav? Yeah. Worldview is an articulation of the basic beliefs embedded in a shared grand story that are rooted in a faith commitment and that gives shape and direction to the whole of our individual and corporate lives. Okay. If I had to... Here, I'm going to introduce a big word to you. And it's called meta narrative meta narrative meta means it's big it's over overarching and narrative the story so a worldview oftentimes is informed by your understanding of the sto- the bigger story mm-hmm. where we came from why are we here what's the meaning of life where are we going that's called that's called a, a meta narrative yeah. okay so your meta narrative for your life, your your understanding of the story, the big story, is a key component to to worldview. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only component because in that you've also got presuppositions, you got feelings, you've got um, all kind of things like that. So, first off, what do you guys think about these two these two definitions? Any thoughts? Yeah, it's a lot. Um, Sire's definition is a lot and I think the the working definition goes a long way towards boiling that down want to read it one more time yep 
Worldview is an articulation of the basic beliefs embedded in a shared grand story that are rooted in a faith commitment and that give shape and direction to the whole of our individual and corporate lives. All right. Now, this, is, this means rooted in a faith commitment. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means at the bottom of every single person's worldview is a faith commitment. It's not logic. It's not reason. It's not science. Because if you get to the very basic of all things, it can't be proven. Right. Yep. Right? So if you get the basic of all things, so like, well, I, I am 100%, I believe in, you know, uh, you know, um, scientism and, and science can tell us all things and I'm a rationalist and all these things. You get to the bottom of that, you go, how, how can you trust your mind? Mm-hmm. How, how can you, tr- if it's, if, if we're a result of chance from evolution and the big bang, then how can we be sure you can trust your, your own thoughts now? You can be sure that the universe is going to be consistent and, and going to, you know, you can trust the laws of nature and all these different things, right? So, well, I trust my, so that person's faith commitment is in their own rationality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they can, now that ultimately is a point pointing to God because God is the source of rationality. God is the rational being that holds all these things together that created the world in a rational way that we can study laws of physics and logic and mathematics and everything else. Mm-hmm. But at the, at the very beginning of a worldview is always a faith commitment. This is why St. Augustine said, um, talked about faith seeking understanding. Yeah. Faith seeking understanding. Hmm. You don't start with understanding first. You start with faith first, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the Christians, we, we obviously, our foundational belief, we believe God revealed himself to us mm-hmm. in the scriptures and in his son. And so we start there. That's our prior faith commitment. There is a God. He's revealed himself to us in scripture, and he's revealed himself perfectly to us in his son. We start there, and now we seek understanding mm-hmm. for the rest of life. Yeah. To understand, how to understand the story of the world, what's wrong with the world, who am I, what am I here for, um, how should I live now, that's ethics, where are we headed, what's going to happen to us when we die, all these different things, yeah. right? So every worldview starts with faith, yeah. but we would say the difference between worldviews is what are you putting your faith in, mm-hmm. right? The God of the Bible yourself, the God of Islam, Mm. uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, scientific rationalism, all you're, you're, you're going to start with faith. We are religious creatures at the core. You're going to start with faith and then you're going to seek and then understanding on top of that. So what does it look like? Uh, once you, I guess, have faith, does your, um, once you accept Christ in your, in, in your life and you have faith, does your worldview from the past just automatically get erased? Great question, Alex. Hmm. No, it doesn't. And that's one of the, the that's one of the greatest problems for the Christian and for our world. Is many people think they don't understand this concept of worldview. And so they've been raised as well, I'll just use a, a big word that we might not understand, secular humanists. They've been raised secular humanists. Yeah, break that down. So they've, they've been raised to believe that the only thing that's real is what you can see and touch. That's the secular part. The humanist, we as human beings, get to create our own meaning, get to create our own values, 
There is no ultimate truth. Mm. My truth, like I can have my truth, you can have your truth. That's humanism, okay? That, that there is no God that tells me what's true. There is no God that determines what's real and what's right and what's moral and ethical and good. We as human beings determine that ourselves, right? And yep. when we die, we die. We don't go anywhere. That's a secular humanist understanding. So many people are being, uh, and so just to be clear, that secular humanist, and I could add one more postmodern, uh, postmodern with a little bit of Marxism, in there, that's the worldview that's being taught in our grade schools, public grade schools, in our junior highs, in our high schools, in our colleges, mm-hmm. universally. Even some Christian colleges are teaching that that kind of uh, secular humanist philosophy. Yeah. Okay. Now, where do you see it? They're, they don't have classes on secular humanism. They're training your kids in secular humanism. Well, they do philosophy classes, but. That's not the main point. No, no, no. It's in your literature class. It's in your English class where they're reading books that are, that are steeped in the secular humanist philosophy that's teaching your kids, this is what a good life looks like. This is what a good book looks like. Um, and, and, you know, radical feminism to LGBTQ plus issue, all, of, all kind of stuff. It's happening in every single class because yeah. it's being taught from a secular humanist worldview. So your kids are getting drip, 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 drip a million times over. So now, and they're still going to church on Sunday and they still believe in Jesus, but in their gut, in their presuppositions, they actually believe and see the world more like secular humanists Mm -hmm. or socialists than they do Christians. So you're saying like once you become a Christian and you, you give your life to Christ and you have this faith, you put these gospel-centered lenses on, then you see things that you should be able to accept in the world, things you should be able to reject in the world, and then um, things that you can just help renew in yes. the world. Yes. Okay. And and so, and, and listen, this is not, this is a lifelong mm. project. Mm-hmm. It goes along with our sanctification, yeah. which we're going to talk about in our uh, other podcast that we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about this week as well. Because the, the reformers talked about reformed and always reforming mm-hmm. according to the word of God. So with that, does, does that necessarily mean that your story could be reformed and, and changing because you see it in a new gospel-centered lens? Yes, absolutely does. And it, and it means that our worldview, the lenses that we see the world should be constantly being renewed or reformed according to the word of God, yeah. tweaked. Mm-hmm. So the way we see the world should be changing. Yeah. Mm. It should be getting more and more gospel-centered, more and more biblical, more, more and more Christian. As we bring different aspects of our mind, of our feelings, of our interpretation, of our presuppositions in line with the word of God or under the lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So maybe we we grew up with a political philosophy from our parents that we never really thought through. But when we start bringing some of these ideas to scripture, we start realizing, oh man, actually this doesn't line up. Yeah. Maybe mom or dad was a little off. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They might have been Christians, but they might have had a different worldview. It wasn't actually a, a Christian worldview. Yeah. That's good. Um yeah, so our so everyone, everyone's worldview can um, 
can be tweaked at, at least at least at 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 worst it could be tweaked. Yeah. Right? Like if he's if he's if you're like, you know, PhD level um, you know, Christian philosophy or Christian theology, you're still going to have aspects of your worldview that need to be Christianized. And I remember the first time I had some conversations with some PhDs, I thought these guys knew everything. And then I started pushing on a couple of things. I'm like, oh, whoa, they, they actually haven't thought through yeah. this, this aspect. You know, they haven't thought through what the Bible teaches about, you know, how we should conservation, let's just say, how we should treat the, the, the world. You know, they haven't, yeah. they've never thought through that, mm. right? Now, so what is a Christian understanding of conservation looks like? And I could literally pick any, any topic I could do. Yeah. So, so, so that's what having a Christian worldview, um, kind of is, is all about. Mm-hmm. Let's go through some, let's break down some of these specific components mm-hmm. of a worldview. Sure. Okay. Kevin, why don't you lead us off on that just so I can take a drink here. Yeah, so the first part is the story. Um, we talk here a lot about the story-formed way, and so everybody's life is rooted in the story of their lives, um, where they're coming from, where they're headed, ultimately, and where they're standing okay, right so, now, right? So two aspects of this comp- components of a worldview story. We could say macro and, mi- and, uh, macro and micro, mm. or we could say meta and just regular narrative. So... Our stories, remember, it's how we, under, world and life view, mm-hmm. how we understand the world. So let's think about the story of the world. Where did we come from? Yeah. Here, if we have a secular worldview that says we came from the Big Bang and then evolution, that tells us we came from basically nowhere. Mm -hmm. It was a complete accident. We're here. So now it's up to us to determine our own meaning in life and our own values, right? Mm -hmm. And you die and you go nowhere. Okay? So ultimately, that is a story that goes from meaninglessness to meaninglessness. Mm -hmm. So if if it's based in meaninglessness and accidents... And it's going to death and ashes with no meaning afterwards. How could anything in between have meaning? Mm-hmm. So that story of the world is going to shape how a person lives their life. Yeah. It's going to shape their ethics. Now, they might not live it. Now, here's what people that believe in that worldview. Do they live like nihilists and just walk around killing people? Not all the time. Why? Because they don't live in line with that worldview. Right. Right? They, it's an unlivable worldview unless you're Jeffrey Dahmer. And so they, they actually, they don't live consistently in that worldview. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say any worldview that you can't live consistently is a faulty worldview. Yeah. Right? Okay, now let's think about the story of Scripture. God, the only wise God, the one and only God, almighty, all good, all powerful God, created everything that is. Right? Including us. He gave us a meaning and a purpose he told us, right? I mean, we're to love him, clearly. We are to be fruitful and multiply, build, build families and civilizations. Uh, we, he gave us work to do that was good in the garden. Mm-hmm. And he gave us tons of animals and tons of good things. He said, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. 
we're made in the Imago Dei in his image, we are good. Mm. Then, so immediately we see God is different from us, he's mm. transcendent. We're made in his image, but all of creation is good. Then the fall happens where Adam and Eve rebel against God and everything gets cursed. And now this curse now answers for us why evil's in the world. God did not create evil. Uh, evil is a turning away from the good. Mm-hmm. Evil, evil is a spoiling of the good. And the world is, is cursed. The world is under a curse right now because of its rebellion and its waiting redemption. Yep. God did not destroy it. It's waiting redemption. We could not redeem ourselves. We could not make ourselves right with God. Um, and so God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come and redeem the world and set up his kingdom on this earth Jesus lived and died and was resurrected and he's promising to come back again. But while he's in heaven, he sent us the Holy Spirit to continue his work of redemption on the world or working out the plan, working out his redemption on the world to re- renewing and restoring and redeeming this broken creation, bringing it all under the Lordship of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, in that worldview, right, that worldview makes sense to a lot of different things. There's original good, there's a God mm-hmm. that, that we can have relationship with. There's a fallenness that makes sense of all of our struggle and all of our pain. And then there's and then Jesus promises to redeem that and he's promising to restore that. So that gives us hope now in this life and hope in the future. Yeah. Now, th- think about how that affects that. If I view the world that way, that's my worldview. Think about how it affects my life view or my personal story. The first, if I, am, if I get cancer at age 18, in the first story, I have no hope. I have no hope whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It was an all an accident. It was all chance. I'm about to die. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you're going to die. Yeah. There's no hope for that, right? Mm-hmm. But if I get cancer at age 18, in the, and I understand the Christian worldview, I understand that this, that this is a result of the curse of the fall, but my good heavenly father is in charge of all things and he will even turn this towards my good. And as I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he's going to heal me in this body or in the next. And he's going to give me a brand new body and restore me. And even though I died 18, I'm still going to enter into glory and I'm going to experience the new heavens and new earth. There's a lot more hope. Yeah, it's good news. Right? Now, you can, same thing when it comes to uh, sinful desire, understanding our sinful desires, understanding our attractions. Um, in one worldview, we are our attractions, we are our desires, and we just give in to them. There's no reason to resist them, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no reason to resist our desires if all desires are just personal value judgments, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing wrong with them, just go, so we go with them. But in the Christian worldview, God tells us certain values and certain desires are sinful and we have to resist them, yeah. right? So for the young, the young person that's not married, God says you have to resist the sexual, sexual sin. You have to resist yeah. Yeah. pornography and masturbation and these things, right? That's suppressing a desire until it can find its appropriate outlet in, in Christian marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Now, secular worldview says, no, just go ahead and do it. No big deal, yeah. right? It's a desire you have. Go ahead and do it. In a Christian worldview, it says if I have a homosexual desire, if I have any of these desires, I have to repress those and give them to the Lord, right? And and because that's not the way that God made me. That's a sin, right? Secular worldview, go with it, do it, whatever you want, right? So we, we see here how the understanding of the world 
shapes the understand how we interpret our own story. Yeah. Right? So when we say that story is or narrative is an important component of a worldview, your narrative of how you understand the world and how you understand uh, yourself, the person. And I could even go in how you understand history. History has it, how you see history and understand history is a key piece to your worldview. And what do I mean by that? There's a Christian view of history. There's a Christian view of history that we began in the garden and we're ending in the consummation. Mm. That there's a progression and that we're meant to progress. We're meant to subdue the earth. We're meant to get in one sense, to get better and to better and better and to cr- create more just and more holy and more society and more disciples and more Christians and yeah. more churches. Yeah. That's a Christian understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, there's unchristian understanding of the wor- of history like Marx. Karl Marx views all history as only, there's only two categories of people. There's the oppressed and the oppressors and you're in constant battle with one another and the oppressors have to create a revolution over the, oppress- the oppressors, and that's just the cycle of history. Mm. Now, if you believe that understanding of history, then your number one goal is to stand up and speak truth to power and to fight for the little guy and, and to over and until you get your position of power. Okay. Now there's cyclical understanding of history, like the, like the Chinese and like different Asian cultures believe that all history is in flux. It's, it's just cyclical. It, re, it, re, it repeats over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's not a linear pattern towards the new heavens and new earth like Christians believe or a linear pattern toward progressions. We can still ebb and flow and go up and down and it can be still in flux. But the, the oriental understanding of history is that it's just everything's a re, repeating cycle. Yeah. Death, life, death, life, a repeating cycle. That affects, that understanding of history affects your your worldview. So how do people know if they actually have a bad worldview? Because like you were saying earlier, their truth is their truth, their feelings is what I saw. So how do they how do they how does it how do they actually be able to see that their truth is wrong or the glasses that they have on are wrong? Yeah. Well I think by reading the Bible, all of it, you can't just read certain pieces of it. If you read certain pieces of it, you're never gonna get the full picture. Listening to podcasts like this Listening to sermons that go verse by verse through books of the Bible, that's because you're going to get a lot of competing, you're going you're gonna to hit a lot of different topics mm-hmm. when, when you do that. You know what I mean? Uh, from immigration to uh, conservation to eschatology to philosophy to sexual ethics to all, all these politics, all these different things, you're, you're going to get a, a, a diet. The other way I would say is to be consistently reading. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, for every current book he reads, he reads an old book, a dead, a dead person. Now, we don't understand how important this is. Every culture is affected by their, the cultural milieu of their day. So right now, the cultural philosophy of the day that's reigning supreme is secular humanism, postmodernism, uh, some socialism, and some Marxism, cultural Marxism. That's what our, that's what we're being pumped, we're being fed today. A mm-hmm. hundred years ago, it was called modernism. It was it was more, it was secular some secular humanism, but it was it was called modernism. Ra- rationality was the the everything was like about rationality, just using your head, and we're going to find world peace. Okay, so when you read somebody from that century, they have completely different presuppositions. Mm-hmm. They have a completely different worldview. So it actually brings you, it, it, it educates you in a way that modern authors never will. Yeah. Okay? You go back to, 
200 years, 300 years, 500 years, 1,000 years. So I think it's very important to read dead guys, mm-hmm. dead guys and gals, I'm sorry, dead guys and gals. And of course, that's why we read the scriptures because that's a completely different, um, that's 2,000, 2000 plus years ago mm-hmm. to get us out of our current worldview, yeah. to correct our current worldview. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the components of a worldview, story, you, how you understand the world, and then, and then how you understand your own personal story in light of that. The next compo- really component of the worldview is the, the answers, your answers to the most basic questions of life. So this is how you could really d- kind of self-diagnose what your worldview is yeah. by answering these questions. So, um, Kevin, could you go through some of those questions? Yeah. So what is um, prime reality? Stop. So what is prime reality? So what is the source of all, what is the, I say it like this, what is the center of the universe? Mm-hmm. If you think it's rationalism, if you think it's science, if you think it's creation, if you think it's love, if you think it's God, but what is the center of, of all reality, mm-hmm. okay? How a person answers that is going to help us see what their worldview is, yeah. okay? What's the next one? What is the nature of the world around us? Okay. Is the world good? Is it evil? Is it, um, you know, mm-hmm. broken? Is it progressing towards, you know, something? Is it whatever? Mm-hmm. What's, what is the nature of the world around us? <clears throat> Next. What does it mean to be human? Now, these questions we, many people scoff at. Mm-hmm. But what's absolutely fascinating what does it mean to be human? This question is, is unanswerable from science. Mm-hmm. Admittedly unanswerable. They believe in evolution. They believe we came you know, from monkeys and all this thing. We evolved. But you ask them, when did a monkey become a human? Mm-hmm. And they, they don't have a consistent answer. Yeah. Monkey, 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 monkey. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I know, human, human, human. What, 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 when did it become a human? Yeah. What was it? And so they can't actually define what it means to be human. But God, our God's word is so clear. Mm-hmm. To be human means to be distinct from the animals and made a mago day in his image. Yeah. Rationality is a piece of that. Uh, um, self-understanding is a piece of that. There's a lot of ethics, morals. There's a lot of different pieces of that. So yeah. what does it mean to be human? What happens at death? Hmm. So many people, there's lots of different ideas about what happens at death. There's a biblical interpretation of what happens at death, and then there's a whole lot of uh, human inventions that Mm -hmm. people make up, and people think the darndest thing about what happens at death. So if you're trying to find out your own worldview, answer that question. If you're trying to find out your neighbors, or you're trying to find out your kids, you're trying to find out some friends, ask them, what, what do you think happens at death? Yeah. Why is it possible to know anything at all? Now, this is a philosophy question. Uh, It's regarding a branch of philosophy called epistemology, Mm -hmm. how we come to know anything at all. Um, And we say we've been made in the image of God, Mm -hmm. and that's why we were made to know. We were made to understand God's world. And so, but if you believe in, um, you know, different philosophies and different worldviews that you actually have no philosophical basis mm-hmm. to 
under, to, to know anything at all, mm. right? To trust. How can you trust the electrical stimulus, stimuluses in your brain? Yeah. This is the matrix type of yeah. philosophy. If you, you know, go ahead. How do we tell what is right and wrong? So the nature of ethics. Mm-hmm. If you believe, well, we should just determine what, you know, what everybody collectively as a society, we should just come together and determine our own morals and our own more, more and our own values. Well, that's going to, that's not a Christian understanding of the world. Yeah. And if it's survival of the fittest, then ethics don't exist. Uh, might makes right. Mm-hmm. So the big eat the little, yeah. the fast eat the slow, right? Mm. The young eat the old. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes the old eat the young too. But, yeah. you know, um, so why is it wrong? Um, why is it wrong to, to do anything, yeah. right? By whose standard mm-hmm. do you believe it's wrong? Yeah. And then, oh, and what is history about? We already kind of talked yeah. about this one in, uh, in story, but that's a... So these an- the way you answer these questions... Now listen, here's what's interesting. All of these things can be answered scripturally. Mm-hmm. But this, many people understanding the Bible is just as simple as... I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And these questions get way past all of that yeah. to help you shape a Christian understanding of the world and un- of, of the self, yeah. okay? Now, it's, this is something we have to keep saying. This isn't just your intellect. Yeah. This isn't just what you think about the world. It includes your feelings. So I know many people who know what the Bible says, but they feel differently about it. They know the Bible says that stealing is wrong, but they still feel like they are entitled to do it. Or they know what the Bible says about pornography, but they feel like it's not that big of a deal. Or they know what they say about Bible says about homosexuality, but their feelings say, this is who I am, and so this is who I'm, how I'm going to live my life. Yeah. Right? So your feelings and your relationship to feelings and how you understand your own feelings is a key component to worldview. Mm-hmm. And then obviously your actions too. You could, if you say you have a Christian worldview, but you beat your wife, you don't have a Christian worldview. Yeah. If you say you have a Christian worldview, but you consistently cheat on your taxes, you don't have a Christian worldview. If you say you have a Christian worldview, but you're a racist, you don't have a Christian worldview, okay? If you say you have a Christian worldview, but you reject parts of the Bible, you don't have a Christian worldview. Okay, if you say you have a Christian worldview, but God tells you no, and you say, I'm doing it anyways, you don't have a Christian worldview, okay? So our actions, our feelings, our thoughts, and even just our assumptions, our gut feelings about the world, you know? Uh, our component to Christian worldview. <clears throat> so, what is a Christian worldview? Yeah, um, the definition here is a Christian worldview articulates and develops the most basic, the most fundamental, the most comprehensive beliefs of the biblical story in a way that enables those beliefs to become both a lens through which we may see the world and a map that will give us direction in the world. It is the grid into which we place all else. I love it. He says, a Christian worldview 
is both a lens with which we see the world and a map mm. to guide us yeah. through the world. Yeah. And so the more you understand scripture and study scripture, the more you're going to get almost a gut level reaction, a sense. This is the right way to go. Mm. Boom. You can, you can see a situation, whether it's on the news, whether it's an article, whether it's a situation with your kids and you can have, because you've got the lens with which to see it and a map, which way to go, mm-hmm. you can react with maybe you've never been in this situation before. You maybe never even heard this exact question before, but you can react in a way that's consistent with a Christian worldview. Now, this is, it's not easy. It takes a long time to do this. And again, like I said, we're constantly um, clarifying that map mm. and refining those uh, spectacles. Just yeah. like if you've got bad eyes, you go and you get, you get, um, you get your prescription, right? Yep. But how often do you have to go? Every year. Every year. You got to go back every year. Why? Because your eyes change, things change, and you need a new prescription, your lenses and it got to change. Same thing for the Christian. As we consistently go back to Scripture, we should be getting our lenses changed mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, what I, I assumed this, and now I realized that was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I need to adjust the way that I see the world. Mm-hmm. I need to adjust the way that I'm interpreting the world and my actions and everything else yeah. has got to change. Kevin, where are we at for time right now? Right about 40 minutes. Okay, I'm going to close it down. We're not going to do uh, specifically some specific competing worldviews, and we'll probably save that um, save that for the next time. Sure. Um, so how can you grow in your understanding of the world, the way that you see the world, the way that you see yourself? Number one, Scripture. Number two, come into church consistently. Number three, listen to podcasts like this. And number four is reading Reading books that are more than just devotional. Have you ever read a, a, a gospel-centered economics book? They're out there. Have you ever read a philosophy book? Have you ever read an apologetic book? Have you ever read a, a, a gospel-centered, uh, you know, or I even say a more theologically driven or biblically based book on immigration? Or on, I mean, I could, or on conservation, you know, stewardship of, of the world. I've yeah. brought that up several times for whatever reason. You should. If you haven't, you should. This is, it, it, all, there's experts in all of those areas that are, that are meant to help us mm-hmm. develop a well-rounded Christian worldview. Yeah. And that's what we need to be teaching our kids. And, and I'm going to tell you this, listen, especially if you're sending your kids to a public school, they're getting all of their courses from an unchristian worldview. Mm-hmm. And so you need to do some work in all of those subjects to help them understand those subjects from a biblical worldview. Yeah. I would encourage parents, and this is not easy. So... This is the so like a classical education. They read the old books that we talk about: Moby Dick, Huck, 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 you know, Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, uh, Plato's Republic, 
uh, C.S. Lewis. My kid just had to buy his ninth grade. He had to buy Eusebius. And I was like, what? <laughs> the Ju- uh, Josephus, the Jewish Wars. Yeah. I'm like, bro, okay, I'm buying these with you and reading them because I should have read these and I never have. And he had to buy T- uh, C.S. Lewis till we have faces. Okay. Now, again, all of these, all of those books, they'll be bent in some way, but not bent in a Marxist way, not bent in our society's current philosophy way. They'll be bent more towards modernism or or something else, right? And some of those have Christian worldviews. But what I've decided to do is what my kid's reading, I'm going to read it too. So then I can discuss the worldview in that book with them. What kind of worldview do you think they had in that book? Where was God at? What was the meaning of life? What was good? What was, you know, discuss it. Now, if you're sending your kid to a public edu- public school, they're reading almost entirely new stuff. They're reading current curriculum. They don't read old, for, for the most part, they don't read old books anymore. Yeah. They're reading modern books with a bunch of modern, postmodern philosophy in them. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to read those books with them and then help critique it, help them see that. Do you think that's consistent with the Christian worldview? Is this, is this what God says about us, about humanity, about what it means to be good? What do you believe about that? And that, that'll help you develop a more critical uh, mind that can understand different worldviews and can see where things come from. But it'll also help your kids be able to um, evaluate the worldviews that they're being um, fed yeah. day in and di- day out in, um, in, in, the, in the public school, mm-hmm. okay? So we're going to be on this, uh, and I'm, we might be on this for a little while now, just talking about worldview consistently. So you guys have any questions, please email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. I think the next podcast will probably be talking about like some competing worldviews mm-hmm. Uh, the Christian worldview, a deistic worldview, a pantheistic worldview, the worldview of Islam. We've got a lot of different ones that we can break down and help you understand those different worldviews. So when you encounter them or you hear them, uh, you just you, you know what they believe, what they teach, and how to respond to it. So we hope this was helpful to you. We love you. We, we, we are praying for you. God bless you. Talk to you soon.